My favourite conversations with people are when they share something about themselves that's real, honest and revealing. I think the objects of our lives have so much meaning when you stop and think about them. So I wondered, what if some of the world's funniest people shared three of their most treasured objects with us? What new stories might we hear? Now, if, if this is too echoey, I do have a dressing gown I can put over my head. We've all worked very hard to get where we are. Now we're on the floor with dressing gowns on our head. This isn't showbiz. Outrageous. I'm Christian O'Connell, and on today's Stuff of Legends... I am Celeste Barber. Some people call me Beyonce. It's not true. Celeste Barber. Rose to fame recreating these iconic celebrity shots on Instagram. Very funny, really well done. Then had a one-woman show, Celeste Barber, Challenge Accepted, which is huge all over America. And she has a podcast, Celeste and Her Best. Haven't had the invite yet. Caesar just casually... Sure I will by the end of this. Caesar just casually chatting with big names. It is odd. I got her on this, but anyway, maybe she hasn't got my email. or I'll check my spam. I am an actor, a writer, a comedian, and I think people might know me for taking inappropriate, unflattering photos of myself on Instagram. While Instagram may be a big part of Celeste's life now, her love of comedy started in a much more lo-fi way. The TV show Friends was a special part of Celeste's teenage years, and those old VHS tapes, do you remember those, are her first treasured item. I remember 7.30, Monday night, Channel 9, that would come on and I would absolutely lose my mind to the point where I had to put a VHS in but the VHS had to go in at about 20 past 20 past 7 to make sure that we were good to go and all the ads were all rolling and you know my family knew to shut up while I was watching it I was just completely obsessed with the idea of six mates living in an apartment in New York massive apartment it's not it's not plausible but and I think because I had a pretty shit time at school friend wise I didn't have many. I mean, I had mates, but I had. I was bullied a bit, and it was kind of rough. I just remember having that escape and treating it as though they were my friends. That's embarrassing to say, but it's the truth. So, how old were you when you were really into watching that TV show, Friends? Maybe fifteen, and I remember like being at school. And when it was a bit shit for me at school, kind of going, well, I'm just going to channel Phoebe because Phoebe doesn't care what people think and she just says things and she's really impartial and it's fine. So that day I'd be like, well, I'm going to be Phoebe today. And then actually on my podcast recently, I interviewed Courtney Cox. I was not okay. (laughs) I was not okay at all to the point where Thomas, my best friend, who's also my co-host on it, just randomly pulled out my book and started to read the chapter that I had dedicated to her and friends. And I was like, can you not do that? very intense moment for me because she now thinks I'm a stalker and I'm in her house. This is not okay. (laughs) And uh, was Phoebe your favourite character? Oh, no. Mm, This is the thing. People always ask me who's my favourite. I love Chandler. I love the fact that on a comedy level, but Chandler, it was only later on in the whole series where he kind of said things that ever pushed the plot line along. Mainly he would just say a joke. Mm. He would just say things that were funny. In no way did it really service any narrative or and there was no kind of character-driven stuff behind it. It was just a joke. I loved that. It doesn't get enough kudos for what a great comic actor he is. He delivered those lines so well, and they were so great, those lines as well. Yeah, and, and just for joke purposes, like just for the purpose of a joke, he would say it. But it was fit in so well with the rest of the dialogue and how he delivered it too. Like my husband, who likes to think that he's really, you know, cutting edge and everything, um, he's like, no, I don't really like friends. I'm like, well, you've married someone else. 
but I put it on. My kids and I watch it now every day while we're getting dinner ready. And my husband, it's one of my favorite sounds in the world, hearing that dialogue and he just guffaws laughing. He just laughs his face off. And I'm like, see, it's great, you bastard. And he's like, well, you ruined it, but that's great. Yeah, that makes me very happy. It ages well. I went back in the last two years watching it with my daughters and uh, they got into it. And so I went back and watched it. Again, I hadn't seen it since it originally came out, and it's still really, really, really funny. Really funny, and they're really, really good actors. Like, mm. I watched it yesterday, because I watch it all the time, and I'm like, <laughs> yeah, every day. I watch it every single day. And and sometimes when no one's around or, you know, if I'm on tour or something, I just put it on in the background just for some company. Like, it's a fucking illness. I'm really fond no, of it. No, I think there's something quite sweet about this. You're almost being the friend that you needed in yeah. your life when you were 15. That's how I feel about it too. Like I, when, I, when I watch it now, I go, yes, I'm so happy I had this when I was having a bit of a shit time at school or even when school mm. was fine and great. I, I'm so happy I had this, this like con, my consistent mates that would always just hang around. So I've kept all the VHS that I have of it. Wow. And then I bought the box set, and then I got nervous that I'd lose the box set, so I bought another box set. You need a backup for the backup. Mm-hmm. I get it. And then now it's out everywhere, and everything's going to be okay. But you still own the VHS cassettes of it. Yeah, and it's got the tapes. That's awesome. I remember I've got the thing like connect Celeste tapes. Do not record. You yeah, know, that, that we have tab friends. Off. Season two, tape one of six. <laughs> friends, season two, tape two of six. And like it was in quite aggressive writing, so people just needed. But we all were at that age. I used to do that, you know, block capitals, angry capitals, yeah. do not record over yeah. my tapes. Exactly, exactly. Don't eat, eat all my food. I don't care, but don't touch my VHS, <laughs> mum. Yeah. So tell me more about you at 15 then. What was it like at 15 for you? 15 for me, well, around that kind of time wasn't excellent. I've got ADD and that wasn't. I wasn't diagnosed with that until I was 16. So school was just an absolute ball ache for me. Really, academically, I really struggled the whole time because I just couldn't concentrate. I just could not sit and concentrate. And I just felt like I was naughty, but I knew I wasn't a naughty kid because I'm really, Mm. still am to this day, terrified of like authority or like um, institutions like teachers or professors or bosses. I'm just terrified like even when I drop my kids at school now my children are in kindergarten and year three I'm like hello Mrs Hackett when I see my my son's kindergarten teacher I just always feel like I'm in trouble so it was weird for me when I was younger because I'm like I'm not a naughty kid because I'm too scared to be naughty but I Mm. just don't get it so I'd just be funny I'd just make jokes or I'd just distract people and you know other kids in class because I couldn't sit still to save myself and like even to the point where teachers wouldn't let me come into the classroom because they'd send me out all the time where did you have to go do you go in the corridor do they send you just out yeah well I just go outside the classroom which is bloody red rag to a bull for a comedian you're like yep brilliant because now I'm outside the teacher can't see me all the kids can I'm going to eat all their food and I'm going to do my bit I loved it (laughs) and you get to do that fun stuff where all the classes look at you and laugh while the teacher has her back to you writing on the board and then they're all laughing and the second she turns around, you jump down into the bag so the teacher can't see. You bring the house down. Like it was so great. The movie of your life, the origin story, it all starts here. I, I can see it all, can't you? Yeah, You're all getting kicked out of yeah, class. that's it. That's your, that's your career yeah. starting right there. It's your first performance. Yeah, but then, you know, 
then as kids, as we all get older mm. through school and you've actually got to really start giving a shit and you can't just always laugh at the loud girl. No. They would get smarter and progress more and I just wouldn't. I'd be like, no, 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 no. I, oh, no. I don't know how to do anything, remember? Just watch this. But then I went, I was medicated. I was put on Ritalin for my ADD. Thank God. Yeah, did that help? And did then, it work? Oh, my God. I, like instantly. Unbelievable. Like I can't. Even like I talk about it a bit now, people ask me a lot about it. Mm. I can't wrap my head around how how grateful I am that that happened, and also that it happened later in my life. That you know, you talk about you hear about kids getting diagnosed, you know, put on drugs at seven years old, yeah. or, you know, on Ritalin, which I think is fine if it's if it's called for. There's no judgment there at all for me. But I didn't wasn't diagnosed till I was seventeen, so. I'm kind of grateful for that because I had to just be resilient up until that point. I just would, you know, if I'd be silly or funny or loud or I'd just have to kind of back myself and just find different ways and to deal with things If, if I because I couldn't sit down and learn. So I'd be funny or I'd go, I'd be in the drama room more because I could express myself there more. And, and I, I was really kind of grateful for almost the struggles leading up to, to actually being diagnosed because I think it's really shaped who I am. I'm, I just get on with shit now and I just make things work and I'm quite a resilient person. I think a lot of it has to do with that. Isn't that great how you can actually see that for the gift that it gave you, that it actually had gifts in it to you, you know, lessons to be learned and it made you, you know, better for it, stronger who you are. Yeah, I'm so grateful for it. And I'm also, I really empathise with my parents and also my te- people having to teach me. I mean, that would not have been easy. I remember when I was diagnosed and um, my parents were talking with the doctor and I was asked to go outside again, which is fine. And um, I was just listening and I heard my mum say, we don't want this to change her. We know she's really loud and really full on, but we actually quite like that about her. We don't want her to change. And the doctor was like, no, no, this will just help her. She'll just be able to sit still. It just makes up a chemical in her brain that she doesn't have. And she'll be able to actually focus. And my mum was so adamant. She's like, we, they, we just don't want her this to, you know, numb her down, which is a really excellent thing to hear when you're a teenager. Your parents say that. What a lovely way all you heard was them accepting you, even though they're in the doctor's office talking about you, kind of behind your back, but you're just hearing that utter love and complete acceptance. And we yeah. don't want this to change her. That's amazing. What great yeah, mum and, and dad. Yeah, really excellent parents. And kind of pointing out my flaws as though they'd be really sad if they were to go away. That was a really nice thing to hear. Yeah, what a great lesson to learn from mum and dad that actually are what we think of our flaws. It's all just part of your what your, your humanness, isn't it? It's all just part of yeah. who you are. Yeah, exactly. So I was very lucky. And then I got on the drugs and got to sit still for a minute, which was fun. <laughs> I'm Christian O'Connell, and this is the Stuff of Legends, today with Celeste Barber. So we've heard about Celeste's TV show Friends Obsession, and her second item is another VHS classic. The next one is Janet Jackson, Velvet Rope Tour, 1998. I went and saw that concert with my mum, the second concert I ever went to, and it changed my life. I danced a lot as a kid, and it changed my life. So then... I got the VHS and I'd got, come home from school and I'd put it on and I'd have all, and I'd learned, it was a two-hour concert, I learned every single dance 
I I changed between which backup dancer I was. I was never done it because you're not done it. No, you play. No, I love that you respected, even though oh, you yeah, had a no. with authority, you respected Janet Jackson as being, you know, like uh, the top of the totem pole and you were nowhere near that. You can be whoever 100%. you want, but not that. I wanted to be Janet Jackson's backup dancer. I didn't want to be Janet Jackson because you can't be Janet Jackson. Only Janet mm. Jackson, you know what I'm saying? So I would learn every single dance and then to the point where I'd have costume changes side stage, which was on the couch. Mum and Dad were still at work. And my sister wasn't home from school yet, so I would put this on and I danced it for two and a half hours, every, five days a week, straight after school. And this is when I had started taking Ritalin as well. So um, Ritalin is an um, appetite yeah. suppressant, so I dropped a ton of weight and was dancing as well. So, oh, my shit, I was hot and I, I, was, I was... And you could dance. You had it all. And I could throw a leg. Oh, my God. It was such... Fun. And now even when the Janet Jackson song comes on, my husband's like, oh. like, yep, that's it, move aside. Here we go, clear the room. Yeah, like if we're at a club, which doesn't happen, I'm 100 years old and I go to clubs. <laughs> but, you know, if, if it comes on, we're dancing, my husband's like, yeah, and trying to dance with me. If a Janet Jackson or a Spice Girls song comes on, he knows, step away, walk away, Renee, and he'll move people around like, come on, she's got to do it. I love that because actually there was those magical sort of hour or two before mum and dad got home from work. And I, uh, I know what that's like, and I had it before my mum and dad got home from work, when you were the only one in the house. And it's, for me, it was before my younger sister got back from school, and you were... And it wasn't like people just go, that must have been very lonely. I went, no, I loved being in charge of the house. I could do what I wanted to. That must have been a magical time for you. I loved it, because it, it, yeah. it felt like you went home to your studio or, you know, your own space where, like you say, you're the boss of it. You're like, all right, now, now it, I've got, it's like the golden hour. Yes. I've got, I'm going to now really just do what I need to do then. When mum and dad come home, we all, you know, assume our roles and get onto it. But my mum was also very sweet. She'd come and she'd go, have you done Janet again today? I'm like, yeah, because all the carpet was peeling because I was dancing so hard. Like I did all the floor work. I'm talking if there was splits, I'd split. Wow. All of it. And I got better and better. I loved it so much. And mum would have to vacuum up all the peeling carpet. And what did the dancing, what did that give you then, do you think? I always loved it. I always danced as a kid, went to dance classes and did concerts in the Steadfords and I was that girl. Yeah. And I, ju- I don't know, I just loved, I love moving my body. I loved, I just love dancing. And it's weird because I have, I had emergency open heart surgery when I was 25 because I had a massive hole in my heart that I was born with that we didn't know. Wow. And so I couldn't, I can't, I could never walk up a flight of stairs without being exhausted. Yet, put me in a dance class. And I can, I will just not stop for however long the class goes for an hour and 45, whatever. I mean, I'd be exhausted, but because I'd be so happy, I wouldn't realize. And that's what my mum says. She's like, it's weird with the heart surgery stuff because we didn't realize that you were out of breath all the time because I was dancing all the time and I just loved it. So it was never an issue. And do you still dance now occasionally? Yeah. At home. Don't you worry. Yeah. (laughs) I've got a little office now, and up, my husband Arpy's like, he's going to go. What do you do? Work. You fire up Janet again. You go back to uh, velvet yeah, rope, mate. and you fire up. Yeah, I'll bring up out and, and some. Yeah, oh god, yeah. You still got that muscle memory, you know yeah. all the moves, and, and like, bang, you're into it. I move really quickly. I did a TikTok with some friends' kids the other day, and they're like, "You're really good at this," and I was like, "Yeah, I know, babes. I've been doing it forever. Like, I can pick this shit up. I really can." <laughs> so did it not meant you want to go and actually be a professional dancer? Because if you're doing that every day, you would have, like you said, got really good. Yeah, I don't know why I didn't 
pursue I actually I genuinely don't think I was good enough and I like to perform it was kind of the performance of it as well that I like like the emotional connection I had to it so like then then came the acting and all that stuff but it, I feel it really did spring from dancing for sure like I'd be That's emotionally great. invested whenever Janet did an emotional song I may have had tears doing my backup dancing I may have been like I can feel you I'm on stage with you I can feel you like I really got into it <laughs> I'm getting this image of your house, right, with all these uh, heavily guarded VHS video cassettes. You've got the Friends TV shows, right? Yeah, there must have been, like, tripwires and alarms. And now you've got Janet Jackson Velvet Rope as well yeah. on VHS as well. Yeah. It must have been, like, Fort Knox to go anywhere near yeah. that. And, well, everything had their place. It's like, and having ADD, you have to compartmentalise yeah. everything. The right order, yeah? Yeah, and I'd be like, well, you know, if... My Janet DVD was usually in most of the time because I did it five days a week. But then when Friends came on, I remember if it, one of them wasn't in there, I'd just be like, Olivia, to my sister. <laughs> like, Why did you put my stuff? <laughs> you know. And then Celeste, calm down from mum or dad. Olivia. <laughs> I'd be furious with her. And I love that your mum took you to your, your second gig. What can you remember about the Janet Jackson live show? What was that like then? Well, I reckon we would have had better seats if we sat in the car park, but I didn't care. It was just, <laughs> it was amazing. 1998 Velvet Rope Tour up in Brisbane. Yep. But um, it was the dancing that I remembered. Just, oh, my God, unbelievable. It just looks so Fun. So, 98, people just presume that YouTube and stuff like that has, a, you know, an on-demand anything we can watch, whatever, recall anything that's ever been recorded or made just on our fingertips now. But that wasn't the way then. You wouldn't have seen, really, dancing at that level, I'm guessing. No. I can't remember which came first. Either seeing the live concert and then seeing them perform it live on Hey Hey It's Saturday. Of course. Or if it was the other way around. No, it yeah, it must have been that way because I remember when they were on Hey Hey It's Saturday, like Janet and all the dancers, I remember one of her dancers stuffed up in the background and I called it straight away. I was like, oh, my God, he stuffed up. Oh, my God, because I was so across it by then. But, yeah, yeah seeing like, I them, wouldn't have done that. Celeste would not have done that. Don't let no, Janet No, I was like, down. well, you know, then that, his name was Michael, I remember, because I followed them. Like, but you know what? They're probably really tired. They're jet lagged. They've just had their concert. It's a big day. Just everyone. How did you know his name was Michael? Because I've got the program. Oh, of course. Yeah. And who were you when you were doing the moves and that? Who were you? Were you Michael or? Well, no. Tina was the choreographer. So I kind of wanted to be Tina. But then there was Shanette. She was incredible. And then Nikki and Kelly were the two kind of nondescript, kind of you know white girls with brown hair. But it was Tina and Shanette were the main two female dancers, and I. Oh, I'd always be like, I love them, but I'm probably not going to be them, so they can let them. But I'll just be, I'll just be Nikki or Kelly. That was Nikki or Kelly. <laughs> so when they came in at the end and it. did their solo dance, you know, when yeah, know, Janet goes, they have their Please moment. put it together for, put your hands together for Shanette. And she'd come out, they'd be like, Please put your hands together for Nikki. And I'd be like, Here I am, <laughs> and I'd do my little thing, <laughs> and then I'd leave. Yeah. My third item is a card, a biz, well, several business cards that my dad would give me. So my dad writes on the back of his business cards, back in the day we used to have them, just a lovely note. So I moved out of home when I was 17 down to Sydney um, to go well, to Penrith, went to drama school, and my dad would just put in my wallet, thinking of you love dad and I have kept them over the years I've got a big stack of them I've got them on my wall in my office and everything 
if he would have to go away, which he never really did. My dad, you know, worked close to home. But for whatever reason, or if I had something big coming up and he had to leave early for work that morning, he'd always put a business card out with a lovely message on the back of it. And I, as I say, I've got them on the wall in my office. I keep them in my wallet. All the different ones in different handbags that I have or because I travel a lot, I put some in my suitcase. And so everywhere I go, I'll open up and it, again, I'm like, oh, there's that letter from dad. And he then did it once on a big bit of paper and folded it up and I just walked up to him and went, no, it's not the same. And he went, yeah, sorry. Like, Get on the car. I don't like this one. <laughs> oh, what a great dad. What a lovely yeah. thing to do for your daughter. That's and we've beautiful. never really kind of spoken about it. It's mm. not a thing. It's just uh, thinking of you or well done or love you, hope you have a good sleep tonight. Really, really thoughtful. And what age did he do that up until? He still does it. It's very sweet. I want him to start doing it for my kids. But it's also something that you can't request. Do you know what I mean? It's just something that no. it's his his jam and however he does it is awesome. It's interesting as well how you haven't talked about it and maybe you don't need to talk about it. All that's said is on the card. You get it. That's it. Yeah. Yeah, my dad's quite – and my mum, they're both very sentimental. So my dad has his shed and my son's wrote him a birthday card a few weeks ago and he's put it up and he'll take a photo and just send it to me and go, pride of place. And that's the same with my niece and nephews and my sister's kids. If they have some stuff, he just pops – things around and also he's got an old unoriginal Cooper S uh, 71 and um he has two things in it down the side of the door and it's a letter from me when we were little when I was little and a letter from my sister too on two very separate occasions years apart and just they're the two things he just keeps in the car with him at all times which is so cute that's amazing yeah it's very sweet what a great way to keep the younger yous are still close to him. Yeah, and it's just, you know, it's nice to know that that stuff mattered because I get it now. I'm a parent and that stuff totally matters, but you don't think to oh, yeah. keep all that stuff. You're like, yeah, Sterling, it's another drawing. How amazing. But he does. He holds on to just a few little things and also kind of gives out those cards as well, which is so nice. Tell me about Dad then. Dad is a an only child, born and bred here at Tweetheads forever and always. Um I got my ADD from my dad and we joke about it all the time. We give each other shit about having no attention span all the time. Um, and I, we, Dad and I also, he's so fucking funny, my dad. He's the, he's the originator of dad jokes. But to this day, like he said, told us this joke the other day that he's been telling us since we were six and he had tears in his eyes. He was laughing so hard. But he now only tells this joke for our reaction. He waits, he says it because he knows we're going to be like, Dad, fuck, stop. He loves it. I've got to hear the joke. Oh, okay. A grasshopper walks into a bar. The barman says, oh, we've got a name. We've got a drink named after you. And the grasshopper goes, oh, what, an Eric? <laughs> it's a funny joke. Yeah, I get it. But I've been told, yeah, I know. But I've been, it's been told to me for about 25 years. And now my son says it and he thinks it's the funniest thing ever. And dad's just, he couldn't it's be happy. He's going down the generations. He's, keep, yeah. he's keeping it, that, that Eric joke alive. Yeah. And he'll get excited too when we're all together. My dad will just kind of, you know, he'll just kind of sidle up to someone. And you're like, oh, fuck, he's telling, he's telling him a joke. He's telling him a joke. And he is. And then he'll, uh, but. It's the delivery. My, and then my sister will scream laughing. She's got the greatest laugh in the world. And um, I'm like, what is it? What is it? What is it? And you'll tell me. And, but it's the anticipation of how shit it's going to be and how much joy he gets out of it that makes yeah. it the greatest moment in your life. Yeah, it's great. So we're thinking he's 70 next year. 
So me, my sister and my dad are all going to get a tattoo of a grasshopper. Oh, you're kidding. That is, you've got to do that. Are you really going to do that? Oh, it's the best thing you could do. If I was your dad, what a great gift for your 70th. What, so you and your sister and your dad are all getting it done? Going to get, yeah. Get just a grasshopper on a on a oh. leg or on a wherever, but yeah. Oh God, I love that! What a great thing, Eric the grasshopper. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's a punchline that lives on that lives on literally permanently on you all. Yeah. That's amazing. Physically forever. Yeah, the jokes become a physical joke now. <laughs> Celeste, thank you so much for doing this. It's, it's for really been me. a joy, an absolute joy. Big thank you to today's legend. I thought she really was one, Celeste Barber. What I loved is that everything Celeste had picked came back to her mum and dad. It challenges that very old idea that all funny people have got the world's worst parents. I love the sound of her mum and dad and her friend's VHS cassettes, Janet Jackson, obviously her dad's business cards, I'm going to steal that idea, and at the heart of all of them, this wonderful, beautiful relationship she has with her mum and dad. And I think I will keep the joke going and tell my daughters that. You should tell yours if you've got kids. Eric the Grasshopper. Awesome. Let's all use it. Make sure you don't miss out on any of our upcoming legends. Follow the show for free on iHeartRadio or whatever podcast app you're listening to this on. And if you want to get in touch, check out stuffoflegendspodcast.com. I'm still Christian O'Connell, and until next time, this is the Stuff of Legends, when it was. <laughs> 